Cop this, Williams. Gage Rhodes Bruco is stoked to announce pro surfer Jack Robinson as a new part owner of the Independent Brewery. He'll be joining the Gage surf team alongside Mackenzie Bowden, the internet comedy sensation. 2023 legend single fin champion Brendo Marjo Margison on your Margo. Eli Brooks and filmer producer Jacob Woody Wooden. The whole team is planning an epic surf trip to one of the country's most remote locations later in the year. We will not spill the beans on this show. Not while there's a breath of air in the lungs of Smithy and Deadly. While Gage Road is about good beers and good times, they're also committed to the surf community and the environment. They've backed events like the Single Fin Festival at Burley, the Whalebone Classic in WA, the Australian Open of Surfing, the Coast Pro, Stratty Assault, the Australian Board Riders Battle, and they've been supporting multiple board riders clubs around the country. Gage Road's Brew Co. runs regular beach cleanups across the country with environmental group Tangaroa Blue. From humble beginnings, Gage Roads has grown to become Australia's leading independent brewery. Back in the early 2000s, two brothers and a couple of mates dreamt of starting a brewery with nothing more than an idea and a personal credit card. Inspired by their love of good beer in the ocean, Gage Roads was born. Get out there, get it down your neck, drink responsibly and support Australian independent brew at its finest. This episode of Ain't That Swell Live is brought to you by Billabong Gallery's latest artist collab with proud Bunjalung and Gumbangi man Otis Carey. The high-flying core lord has produced a collection inspired by the story and song lines of his local area. Gumgali Yuridala, or Black Goanna, is a direct tribute to the ocean playground he grew up on. Blasting full rotors, wild lazars, and scoring the cosmic vision. Gumgali Yuridala is available at billabong.com or get down and support your local surf store and cop some Otis Carey magic today. G'day Swellians, Deadly here. Well, welcome to the first Ain't That Swell live show for 2023. An absolute torch fest from the Burley Bowls Club as part of the annual Burley Single Fin Festival. Now in its 26th year, the, uh, the comp pretty much kicks off competitive surfing in the true spirit of what it was always intended to be, and that is a house of debauched and degenerate carnage mixed with the pungent stench of coconut oil on burning skin in the searing Queensland sun. Yeah, there's nothing quite like it. It, it is such a throwback event and one of the real highlights of the Australian sporting calendar. You've got to be there to experience it. It is just a throwback par excellence. Uh, this episode took place on a Friday afternoon before the event ran. Actually, in place of the usual Burley Board Riders fundraiser lunch, which over the years has just completely annihilated every competitor who's ever been in the single fin. It starts around midday and doesn't finish till around, I don't know, eight in the morning on the day of the event, the first day of the event. So, uh, yeah, it, it, can, it brings uh, the very best undone. But this year, the fundraiser lunch got sidelined and Ain't That Swell Live took over. And far out, man. I mean, it was, it was off the hook in there. Like, people turned up ready to party, ready to get stuck into the gauge roads, ready to basically get the year going and not listen to a single thing that we had to say. So <laughs> uh, it was pretty classic. 
The room was full of legends, upstarts, core lords, and seriously burnt units. And despite the best efforts of your boys, Smith and Deadly, to engage in meaningful and revealing conversation, the afternoon descended into a miasma of boozed, fueled, screaming over the top of each other that one comes to expect during the festive season in southern Queensland. Still, if you can get past the volume of the room and the screaming over the top of each other, there are absolute nuggets of pure gold to be panned. The panel included our two male qualifiers from last year's Changers, Ryan Callanan and Liam O'Brien, the super coach Jay Bottle Thompson, and the 1980 Stubbies winner and all-round burly icon Pete Harris. It was a classic way to start the year, really, and this ep is a full throwback from some of the more wild rooms that we've done shows in. Think uh, right back to the Wicko at Newey with Creed, Jug and Hoy, and Calandra with Park Hong Kong, particularly when Swelliet, Hannah and her Lagerphone stormed the stage late in the day and basically reduced the entire show to a farcical and classically Swellian shambles. I mean, we basically have no control of the rooms we enter, and nor do we want to control them. We simply just inhabit a moment in Australian surf culture, and best of luck to you if you can trawl through this one. Destroy the Empire! Now, get your skank on, Swellians! The big dance is about to begin. Please welcome to the stage the dons of degeneracy, the Illuminati of the surfing literati, the award-winning altered state warriors, Smithy and Vaughn Rinscon, the deadly. I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and, and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the pull back. Drop down. Say bah. Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, cast the table, Oh, that looks good, Alvin. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back. <laughs> Get a haircut. Oh, fuck yeah, Burley. And that. Yeah, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and bonnies. Welcome to Ain't That Swell Live from the Burley Bowls, the spiritual home of Ain't That Swell Live, Vaughn. The uh, very launching pad, as it were, that we dove off headfirst into a bottomless well of pro tour degeneracy, skit surf yarns, and countless of our surfing heroes in various states of disrepair and degeneration. (laughs) Mate, it's been a long and winding journey since we first kicked it off at the Burley Single Fin Festival. Who are the most torched cunts in your memory that we've had on the program? Surely uh, Surely it's a draw between a gridlocked... Gary Elkerton, a jaw-locked 
uh, Rod Kerbox and a deeply embalmed Jughead. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty torched. Uh, Cruzy. Cruzy's been pretty torched over the years. I reckon uh, Morgan Siblick, he was uh, carted up on shoulders, eight VBs in both hands. He just got up there, was just going, woo! We went, Morgs, what are you going to do when you make the tour, mate? And he just said, destroy cunts. Well played. And he did. He did. Yeah, he did. He seriously did. He went all the way to the final five at Trestles, and now he's back on a building site in Merriweather. It's a rocks well and diamonds played, game, professional surfing. But uh, he'll be back there. It's he'll a fickle mistress. It's a fickle mistress, but, mate, you'll be back. True grit. That's how it works. All right. Uh, Vorno, we got any housekeeping? To- oh, we do have a bit of fucking housekeeping. There's some big news. Well... First of all, big thanks to Billabong. Round of applause for Billabong. They always support Ain't That Swell Live. We wouldn't be able to put on this shit show without them. Been with us since number one, supporting the regular podcast as well. And uh, what a fucking team it's been. But uh, also today, Gage Roads Breweries. And there's a big announcement. Yeah, Gage, they've put, a, put on a spread for the boys and the gals. And uh, they've also got a big announcement. They've just signed uh, Jack Robinson as a new part owner of the brewery. So, uh, yeah, amazing. The most sober man in pro surfing owns a beer company. And, uh, fuck, that's just great news. Yeah, mate, I think uh, Trev Robbo must be rolling around somewhere going, is it alkaline? Is it alkaline beer? Is it alkaline salad? Get an alkaline salad in you. Yeah, but that is huge news. So, uh, Jack Robbo, the beer baron. Get into the Gage Roads. They've got the full uh, the full array over there. And Smithy, you've got one, I've got one. And I dare say there's a fair few of you crew tonight will be putting them away responsibly. Mental. Let's get our first guest up here. Let's do it. Newcastle has bred its fair share of surfing icons. From Mark Richards and Cole Smith to Luke Egan and Simon Robinson, Travi Lynch, Craig Anderson, and our very own Burley Singlefin, ambassador of filth, froth, and fury, Matt Hoy. But if you were to take the surfing elements of all these core lords and pack them into some kind of Frankenstein of power, competitiveness, and fucked up, tweaked out rotators, then you'd surely wind up with our next guest. This man is resilience, integrity, and blinding talent personified. Not just that, he's one of the few surfers on the planet to paddle so far up Gabby Medina's cornhole, he could lick the acai off the back of the uppity Brazilian's tonsils. At six foot one, and weighing a girthy 80 kegs, He's had a couple of cracks at the CT and now freshly re-qualified for a third tilt. Nothing less than a top five finish and a shot at a crown will satisfy this absolute Aussie legend. Let there be hucks. Let there be orbs. Let there be...
How's that uh, acai on the back of Gabby's tonsils taste, Arkel? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet as, mate. Mate, uh, what's news in Merriweather? I heard there's uh, been some bad news, actually, about the four-time world champion uh, Mark Richards, son of a used car salesman. Some awful, awful news. Uh, he's got shingles. Yeah. Uh, how's he doing with that? Um, I actually you haven't, saw... che- you haven't checked in? Have you checked in with him? Yeah, I saw him the other day, and he, he showed me. He showed you. Um, yeah, he's showing yeah. everyone. He's showing the world. He's, he's putting up, like, hourly status updates on Instagram of his... How he shingles is progressing. Yeah, in the flesh, it's um, it's pretty real, but uh, it's, it's healing. <laughs> Steely, can you smell it? What is shingles? I thought it, is that like some colonial era fucking illness? Like, uh, he's, he's not back down there in the coal mines, is he? Terry Richo style, just getting like the black lung and not shingles. that I know of, but um, I haven't read the novel of posts he's done to know what shingles actually are, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, he was telling me it's real painful and can like linger a long time so yeah we'll we'll see how he goes i think he'll be fine Mm, painful lingering does it remind you of anyone vaughn it reminds me of a few trips to thailand Mm, yeah red rashes miscellaneous red rashes uh which actually brings us to arkel you've uh you're about to put on a surf film premiere for the boys and the gals and uh Spill the goss, mate. Tell us a bit about it. You know, some of the trips you did. Uh, you know, fucking who shit the bed, who fucked a ban chong, this kind of stuff. You know, just the usual classics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, every year I kind of just... We film a lot. Jack Taylor, who's in the crowd tonight, somewhere up the back. Um, but, yeah, we, we kind of just, you know... We get as many waves as we can every time I'm home and surf. And I had the, the part after the COVID year of tour off. And then it kind of just went into this year. And, and every time I was home, we'd film a bit more. And then obviously the cut came, which actually really helped the film. Because, um, you know, we, I got a lot more time at home and to do some trips. And we did some good stuff down the south coast and a lot of... Uh, trips up the coast he came to portugal for the qs and also hawaii and yeah we just kind of had a hell time and and ended up getting a bunch of clips and i'm really stoked with how it's turned out mantle and talk to us about like how you balance you know putting out a progressive surf film that people want to see versus keeping yourself injury free obviously uh that broken arm leading into the pipe masters at the start of last year was uh, just awful luck and, and really kind of uh, you know cruel to run in a lot of ways. How do you how do you how do you like do big punts, big rotations, and yeah, keep yourself injury free? What's the methodology? Try not to think about it. <laughs> it's it's definitely a hard balance. I I mean, you know. I love competing and stuff, but I think my passion's really free surfing and, and trying to be as, as good as I can be on the surfboard. Um, and, you know, if I can bring that into a 30-minute window of, of competition, that's amazing, but fuck, it's real hard to do. <laughs> and those, you know, um, I'm trying every, every heat I paddle out to, to, you know, do the best stuff I can and, and hopefully, you know, make get to eights or nines or do something crazy but you know you don't always get the opportunity and and uh so to kind of be able to balance you know doing the the best surfing i can 
the majority of the time and filming and, and uh, you know, that, that really excites me and keeps me engaged to, to push it in, in competitions. But it's definitely a hard balance, but I, I really enjoy the, the filming side and, and the trying to get better and, and put out sick shit. Mate, um, just on that injury thing though, you, you miss the cut and you go down the south coast and there's a few waves in this flick at a, a pretty, you know, deep out-of-sea bomby that are just straight-up fucking closeouts. Like, are you kind of getting rid of a bit of frustration paddling in waves like that or were you letting go of stuff? I mean, that is not the secret to staying injury-free. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, like I said, I, I, have, I have no idea. I just paddle out. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes I want to push myself and see what I'm capable of tell you what i was scared shitless a bunch of those sessions and i was just kind of like i'll just see how this goes and and if i get one that's great and if i sit on the shoulder and just paddle in that's also fine um because there's some yeah there was some scary ways actually the the majority of of the good stuff was like one trip that we did right after the manly qs where i, I did made the final um so i guess i was kind of on the path back but yeah i was yeah, I was in a good place, I guess, after a good result, but also frustrated to not still be competing on the tour and um, I guess just wanting to, yeah, prove to myself that I can throw myself over a ledge and, and see what I can do. But also, um, I don't know, I, I guess if you're thinking about it getting injured, then it makes it pretty, it makes it pretty hard and you, you're not going to do much. Wrap yourself in cotton wool, it's not going to be very fun. Did, did you cop any skits floggings? Like, uh, what were the most brutal wipeouts of the, of the filming process? Uh, nothing psycho. Like, there's one clip of me kip, kicking with a broken board and my board snapped in two places, but I was pretty sweet. Um, that was on a bommy pretty far out and I was thinking I was going to have to paddle across the channel, which probably would have been the scariest part of the whole ordeal. But I ended up getting a jet ski ride, which was lucky. But, um... Nothing, like, too crazy. I think the adrenaline was there, and I just happened to get lucky. But, I mean, you see some wipeouts that are really mellow and they turn out to be horrific, and then some that look really bad. Maybe I'm one for dramatics, but um, and, and everyone's fine. So, yeah, I guess I got lucky. Man, and let's get into your tour career last year. I mean, where did it all go pear-shaped for you, man? I guess the broken arm leading into uh, one of the greatest Pipe Masters events of all time was probably where it started that yeah watching that hurt more than the wrist injury for sure i was wondering about that what did it feel like to watch that go down man and and were you considering mike holding it and just uh you know going in it with a broken arm uh it was oh i had a lot of people tell me to consider it that's for sure um and remind me what mike ho did so i i got a few braces made up and and stuff but i mean it a broken bone can only heal as, as fast as a bone can. It's not like the rehab can speed it up or anything. Uh, so I was, yeah, I, I was pushing to, to do what I could. And I mean, there was one throwaway. So I was thinking pipe is a throwaway. And then if I can just make a couple heats somewhere else, which the cutoff ended up not being as uh, intense as we thought, like two ninths, which is very doable. Um, but I think everyone was thinking you needed a quarter in a semis and to be locked in. So it kind of 
ended up being easier than I expected. But I just, after missing the first event, you get on a bad seed run, then you start versing really good guys, which is no excuse because I want to beat them anyway. But um, it just puts you on the back foot from the get-go. So, yeah, I guess pipe's where the wheels fell off. <laughs> How fiery is that cutoff, mate? I mean, we're, we all saw it last year. We saw, you know, people we love and surfers we respect finding themselves in this position where it was uh, getting closer and closer and the reality of, like, maybe not making it started to, started to get into their surfing and get into their headspace. Like, you were in that bubble. Like, how fiery was it for everyone and could you feel that tension ramping up as you got towards Margie's? Definitely, yeah. I, I, it was so funny because I feel like at the start of the year, everyone was like, yeah, cut, sweet, I'll be in that, it's fine. Um, I'll, I'll be in that 22 and won't have to worry about it at all. And then as soon as it starts getting closer and you're like, oh, okay, I need a couple of results. Like, this is pretty heavy. Um, it definitely, you could see the people that were freaking and everyone's kind of starting to try and figure out a way that we could get rid of it. <laughs> it was just never going to work. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely makes, like, I guess other years you kind of had that feeling, but it was drawn out over a whole year and you kind of know look, I can probably do this in five comps or three comps or if I make a couple of semis at the end of the year, maybe my strengths lie at the end of the year in the waves there and not so much at the start. But to just be thrown in and like these are the waves, almost probably the five hardest waves to surf of the whole year and uh, good luck to you. And if you're not on top by then, you're out. It's pretty cutthroat. But I mean, the cream rise to the top anyway and um i feel like it'll work itself out in the future but we'll yeah hopefully i'm in there <laughs> this year mate anyone who's watched one of your surf clips knows that you've got all the natural ability and talent in the world like it's actually mind-blowing and uh you know it, it's as a surf fan uh, and, a, and a journalist it's surprising to, to not see you in the top five knowing the explosive abilities that you have you know what What's the secret to kind of finding that balance? What are you focusing on going into this season uh, to kind of draw out more consistency and, uh, you know, c try and bring some of that acrobatic, explosive surfing into the, uh, the competitive realm? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like what I touched on earlier. You know, sometimes in that 30 minutes, you just don't get the opportunities. But, uh, you know, the guys that can create those are the ones that are on top. Um, it also makes it hard, I feel like, I've been trying to push that envelope and it, it's maybe more suited to the QS in a way. Like this year's, I've, I've really enjoyed surfing and competing this year and, and the waves that we've been going to have really been kind of conducive to high performance. And then you get on tour and it's like the first two events are pipe and sunset and there's kind of like you can do an air at the end of pipe and if someone can do an air at sunset, fucking good on them. Um, but... You know, Portugal probably has moments, but again, you're still waiting for the waves. Bells is very traditional. Definitely you could do a pretty sick pun out there and, and trying to mix that in, something I can do. And then Margaret's, it could be 100 foot and you're on a 6'6 six, six and just trying to survive. So trying to bring it in, I feel like is, it really could, like, can, needs to depend on the conditions a lot. But I mean, the guys that are doing it are, are the ones that are, up on top and I feel like this QS year for me I, I've been trying to do it a lot more and, and hopefully I can take it and continue it into the CT those guys at the top Toledo 
Medina, uh, you know, talk to us a bit about their surfing. You, you mentioned their ability to uh, kind of engineer those kinds of explosive manoeuvres in, in waves that generally favour traditional surfing or power surfing. I mean, what is it about their surfing that blows your mind? I just think they're just so adaptable. Like, whatever the wave or the conditions throw at them, they're just able to bring what they have to the best of those style of waves. And, I mean, they're, they're all really fucking good surfers. Like, you'd, you'd be stoked to sit on the beach and watch them any day. But, um, yeah, to watch them do it, you know, event in, event out, it's, it's really impressive, especially when, when you can kind of, if you just happen to be at an event and watching and you can see the guys that are really stepping up and when the conditions change, they can change as well and, and, and do what needs to be done to... Because, you know, they, they get a lot of big scores, but they also grind out the heats they need to and they know when the, when the right time is to shine and when, and when the right time is to just bang it out and get through. So I think they're... And, you know, just by having sheer quality of, and quantity of heats, they can bring out the quality more often because they only need one or two heats in an event to just shine and then they look like superstars all the time. But I guess it's just finding that right battle of uh, wanting to shine at all times and just knowing when it's the right time to get through. This coming year is just looking so sick, man. you got healthy John John engaged. you got Medina coming back. you got Felipe as the new world champ. you got Italo sniffing around like he always does. Then you've got that new wave of uh, talent that are hitting their straps. you Jack Robbos, Ethan Ewings, Griffin, Kanoa. Yourself, is, you're in this conversation too. Like, what is it going to take to make that top five this year? against that sort of quality opposition. That's, and that's saying nothing of those underground weapons uh, who just put it in, like Cal Robbo and, and, you know, all of these crew who just have the grit and the mongrel to actually throw a spanner in the works. So what is it actually going to take? Like, what sort of surfing, what sort of attitude? I was hoping you could tell me. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. Just go for it. Give it, like, everything you got. There's so many good guys, so many, the people that re-qualified, you know, I'm, I feel like Lob's just going to go nuts this year. Given the, the unlucky event that happened last year, he's probably got a fire under him. Um, the, you know, all those top guys you just mentioned, plus like everyone else, as soon as that, that cut happens, they've got nothing to lose. So they're just pushing for it, pushing hard and want to do good surfing. Um, Ethan, I mean, he's feeling like his destiny's going to be fulfilled pretty soon and looking like one of the best rail servers in the whole world. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly think it's just going to be who's on the best waves doing the best surfing and I'm excited to be a part of it. And just finally, mate, before we uh, get Lobby up here, what brings out your best surfing in a heat? Because the heats that I love that you're in are battles. They're arm wrestles. They're... they're they're not heats where you're surfing your heat and they're, they're surfing their heat. They're kind of almost the arm wrestles where you're engaged and you're, like, you're challenged to fight. And instead of just, you know, holding off and letting those people have their way, you get stuck right up. And typical Newcastle style, Smithy, get stuck in. It, do you think that's what you need? Are you looking for an opponent who wants to fucking get right up in you? Uh, 
my comfortability level would say no. I'd love to just cruise and get get good waves and make heats. But uh, yeah, I mean, just putting myself in a place that I don't really probably want to be in is going to help me because then I'll get a bit yeah a bit more mongrel in me and fire up a bit more. But uh, I guess just making sure myself's in in a good zone and it doesn't necessarily feel like I'm racing or surfing so good. It just feels like I'm doing the surfing I want to do and and uh, and yeah, just you know, if I can get the right wave, it's all going to come together and I'm I'm excited to see that happen this year, hopefully, and and pushing for it to happen more often for some big scores. It's going to happen, Markel. It's going to happen this year, mate. You're going to doots, doots, doots him. Get our next guest up. Our next guest was dealt the cruelest blow on the morning of his CT debut event at Pipeline, busting his ankle in a warm-up sesh, and in the process, denying the proud surfing community of Burley Heads their greatest hope on tour since Jay Bottle Thompson cracked the big time with a chin made of granite in 2008. But showing the icy determination of a cold-blooded serial killer and the pure grit of a high-vis tradie shoveling concrete on a hot Monday morning after a big weekend on the Sears, our hero rolled up his sleeves, hit the Changers and got the job done to re-qualify for the second year in a row, proving he's got the God-given talent to take cuts down to Lux when he finally gets his day on the big stage. A surfer with speed, power and flow to burn. His orb wrangling, air game and rail shamanism are only eclipsed by an IQ that's higher than Cheech and Chong after a couple of West Burley rompers. Stand up, stomp your feet and light a match for Liam. Lobby O'Brien! Holy smokes, fucking hell. I thought there was an eclipse before, but it was just Lobby's afro. Are you kidding me? Thing needs its own postcode. Wow. You are steezing, brother. It's the best white man afro since Disco Stew. That is some goatish fro energy. It's good to see you looking uh, happy, healthy, ready. I'm surprised the Burley community hasn't rolled you in cotton wool, mate, and just put you away until the very first hooter for the pipe comp comes up. But, uh, mate, we've been seeing the photos, we've been seeing the footage. Congratulations on re-qualifying. That's a huge, uh, a huge effort. Two years in a row. You've had a whole year to think about it, Lob. How primed are you for this, uh, this year on the CT, mate? I don't really know, to be honest. Um, <laughs> just gonna try not to break my leg again at pipe and That'll be a win. <laughs> Mate, how, how hard was it to watch the tour go on without you? Like, after working that hard to get that close, break your leg on the morning of the pipe comp, you know, watching it all unravel without you in the midst, fuck, that must have been so hard. 
Yeah, it was pretty shit. <laughs> um, I remember the day I did the injury, the morning the surf was pretty average and wonky. And um, after I got admitted to hospital and got in the bed and everything, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll put it on the TV, see what's going on. And I remember seeing this most perfect wave rolling through and I just thought it was like a some sort of commercial or, you know, just some sort of token wave they were playing to hype the contest up. And then it turned out it was just a wave that no one went. It was a shitty inside and I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a bummer. Oh, man. I mean, apart from the pipe comp, like, what were the other events in the year that it just really hurt to watch? Um, look, to be honest, after the pipe comp was done, I was... I sort of just resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to do a contest. And I don't know, I just, I wasn't really, I had a few moments where I'd watch it and go, shit, I wish I was there. Like, you know, Bells was pretty pumping and there was a few days at Portugal, it looked pretty fun. But um, other than that, I was, I don't know, I, I, uh, Pipe was pretty hard, but after that, I, I was just, I accepted the fact that I was done and I was going to have to go back to the Challenger and try again. And being back on the Challenger, man, uh, you know, how much work did you have to do mentally and emotionally just to get yourself up for it having been that close having been through the whole process already yeah i was lucky i had a lot of really good support i was down at the hpc pretty much every day training and doing rehab they've got a really good physio down there um paul whiterson and he helped me so much it um, does help when you're uh, training <laughs> next to cal robson who's just punching holes in uh, granite blocks and cinder blocks just smash them over his own head fuck he trains hard that guy wow but yeah, I was down there pretty much every day and um, I know it was just a slow process, but it uh, came along slowly but surely. And then I felt really good before Snapper and I was like, all right, this is it. I'm going to come back strong right here. And then I think I got last in the first four contests I did and I was just like, oh my God, I think, I think I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you had a, a very slow start to the year and, um, you know, the, the Aussie contingent, if there's one thing we've seen uh, in the men's and women's, it's this camaraderie we've talked about a lot on this show. But it did feel like you were kind of getting left behind a little bit. You were way down the ratings. And then you just started to build the results and get on a bit of a roll. So, like, how did you find that momentum? And when did the belief start kicking in that you were going to, you know, have a really good crack at it? Um, yeah, I was lucky to travel with such a good crew of uh, friends. Uh, Morgan's here. He was one of them. Jacob Wilcox, Kleine Ball, Mikey Madonna, Dill Moffat. Um, and a few others like Kehu, Butler and, and Billy Stammen and stuff. Anyway, yeah, just such a good group of people to travel with. It, um, it kind of took my mind off the injury and off of the, the desire to try and re-qualify a little bit. And I was just there enjoying my time with them, <coughs> supporting them when they went well and then just enjoying being able to compete at all, really. Um, and, yeah, throughout that process, I think I just got to a stage where I didn't really care that much anymore and I was just happy to go and compete, give my best and if I got a result out of it, that was great and if not, that was fine too and I was happy that I was already kind of doing what I wanted to do. You know, whether it was on the CT or the Challenger, it was the, sort of the same thing. I was travelling and surfing and that was good enough for me so I was, I was pretty happy with that. Man, that's crazy, hey. Just that difference between being like uh, outcome-focused versus just enjoying the process. Uh, you, that's a, like a, a metaphor for life, right? Like you've got to enjoy the present. You've got to enjoy what you're doing. Uh, and if you don't, fucking do something else, you idiot. I mean, if you can. Like a lot of people are locked into pretty crippling debt structures and working six-day work weeks on the commute, on the monsters, on the six... You know, it's not, not easy for everyone, but you managed to do it, Lobby. You're back on tour. 
Mate, I'm interested to know from you too, Ryan, like um, being back on the Changers, man, what was it like, you know, sharing space with the uh, surf shop attendants and baristas and uh, fucking brickies labourers down there in the trenches? Yeah, they're better, better blokes for sure. Oh, 100%. They <laughs> shit all over a bourgeois parasite, that's for sure. Um, no, I, interesting you say that, Lob, because I kind of had a, a similar feel where back on the Challenger... I'm getting pretty old now, like got a couple of greys coming out. And uh, so I was almost in the, like, you know, after the cut happened, you kind of felt like I hit rock bottom for a little while. And I was like, do I really want to do this again? Like grind it out. But, um, and I just came to, you know, the realisation that, oh uh, yeah, like you said, I'm just happy to be here and, and surfing. And um, if the challenge doesn't work out, I'm happy to go free surf and, and you know, try and get chase good waves and and that kind of relieved a lot of pressure i guess similar to lobby situation like we care we're putting in all the effort that we we need to but it's not the be all and end all if we make it or not 100 percent. and lob uh you know when you lost early at the gold coast man at the changers event i was fucking gutted i was just like that i, I felt like that was an event that you know you would due to like semis final at least and uh suited your surfing you bombed out early after you know, losing your spot on tour. And I was just like, fuck, man, this is such a, a long road back. You know, what were the pivotal moments? Uh, was there any moments during that, that Challenger Series campaign that any heats, any fucking, any just people who got up your rashy and you just lost your shit and got the win, like gritted your teeth? Um, I don't know if there was a particular moment. I remember I read Mick's book before Snapper and his first comp back, he won it. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> And then I lost first hit. I was just like, oh, shit. And I think, yeah, Manly was average. I did another comp, went terrible. But um, in Belito, my ankle just started feeling a bit better. And, yeah, I felt in the surf. I felt more comfortable on it. felt like I could surf a bit more normally as I used to. So I don't know if there was a particular heat that, um, that I felt that really turned the year around. But just that event and that trip in general, everything started feeling good. And I felt like I could just sort of surf how I normally would. Started getting some scores that were above a three and um yeah just had a had a good trip that one so yeah i think if there was any moment it was definitely over there in Belito. and give us some war stories from tour man we know there's all kinds of shenanigans going on who uh i don't know like i said who fucking who blew the the thumb screw all over the the last thumb screw all over the carpet uh you know who uh fucking who who got trotting dog shit barefoot you know that kind of stuff Oh, there was a few. We had a few good smash-ups along the way. Um, I think I slept in the kitchen every contest because we didn't have enough beds in the places we stayed at. We're trying to save money. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I went pretty turbo in Hawaii, so that was... <laughs> I'm not really the person who asked that, but Ryan might be a tell you about, a bit about that one. And, mate, just like... When you got to the end of the year, you two are our Australian qualifiers. Uh, we had another three guys, four guys possibly, the way Kalani was surfing too, uh, right on the bubble there. How was it? Like, how hard was it after you've done that year of travelling to have mates who have ridden all the highs and lows with you through the year who got so close and didn't quite get there? Is it, is it a tough thing to sort of be celebrating on one hand but also commiserating on the other? Yeah, it was, it was really tough because the three guys I was travelling with who were three of my best mates, Morgs, Dylan, and Jacob, were the first three to miss out on the tour and it was so yeah it was so weird um spending so much time with those guys they become your family on the road almost 
And yeah, it was it was bittersweet because Morgan losing actually qualified me, and it was weird. I qualified, and I was just like, oh, like this this isn't even that good. <laughs> that must have been uh, quite awkward. Yeah, I went I went straight to Brecky. <laughs> well, speaking of Morgan, um, it'll be good to get our next guest up to sort of talk a little bit about you know your team and uh, some of the strategies that go into a Changers campaign and what it's going to take to get you guys to the next level. So uh, let's introduce our final guest, a bit of a burly royalty coming up. Here we go. Our next guest is a burly boy through and through. In fact, some say his chin was fashioned by the gods as an exact two-scale replica of the famous headland upon which he made his name. A power surfer par excellence and a contemporary of the Coolie kids, Mick, Joel and Dingo. The big fella cracked the big time, surfing the CT in 2008. And although the results did not reflect his ability, he gained worldwide respect as a style lord rail messiah alongside Taylor Knox, Joel Parkinson and the great Andrew Philip Irons. Today, he is known as one of the world's most respected high-performance coaches, guiding a new wave of talent towards the CT, Olympic glory, and Chang'e's series domination. Some have described him as the Wayne Bennett of the Khaled Rashi. But to everyone in this room, he'll always be the Mongo Dick local legend known as Jay. Bottle! Bots. Bossiba. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, brother. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me. Mate, um, before we get stuck into the single fin, the reason why we're all here, but uh, I just want to know, mate, Burley, like, it bred your style, it bred you as a person, uh, the heroes, the culture, the place contributed to so much in your life. Give us a little bit of a, a run through, you know, your early years here and, and the impact it had on you. <laughs> uh, Mongo Dick legend, eh? Um, there you go. Um, well, I guess, yeah, you can start my nickname. It was um, growing up in Burley. It was a bit of a different place. Like some of the stuff that went back down in the old days, you get thrown in jail. Like, I guess start from a nickname. Like the shed at Burley there got dacked. So big contest on and... I was I'm stuck on top of this shed for like 20 minutes in the nude and I set my little pot like little like lolly milk bottles. So that was just like an introduction. If it wasn't getting dark, you're getting um, kind of egged or you're getting thrown in the mud and you're nice, catch it, kind of board shorts. But it was a pretty, well, yeah, it's a few karate like shit. Oh, the contest director's on fire yeah. already on your champ. Yeah. No, it was good though. It was a rough childhood and it definitely um, it shaped me for who I am today and... 
Um, yeah, and it's like, you know, it's a totally different vibe now. It's like super support. It was always supportive, but it, it was hard. It, made, it definitely hardened you. And um, you see now, like, um, the crew that are coming up, the younger kids, it's just, it's amazing. We've got such a big, like, a crazy amount of depth in Burley and the community getting involved now. It's amazing. So, yeah, it's good to be a part of. Burley Boiled Riders uh, turned 50 not long ago. Uh, the, there's just so many legends who have come through this club. When you flick through that book, you can't, you can't believe it. But who were the guys who first had a major impact on you when you were Grom growing up here? Um, I think uh, for me, it was um, I think Munga Barry, who was pretty amazing, and Margot growing up. I mean, I don't know if they were in the club so much, but that had a huge impact to me. And then um, Dave Rastovich, he was a, you know, he was a real inspiration. I mean, it, it, it was littered. The Gold Coast was littered with, like, a, a talent. Huh? What are you saying out there, mate? Oh, sorry. <laughs> right over here, Peter Harris, of course. Peter Harris. Starving's wildcard champ over in the corner here. So, um, yeah, no, it was, yeah, we've just been, it been, like, littered with good talent here. And, um, yeah, it's growing, growing through this next generation. Mate, and uh, you ended up making the grade, was it in 2010 on the World Tour? Talk us through your taste of the big time, mate. I think you won uh, two heats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty long career right there. Between, between me and Ricky Basnet for the... <laughs> The least amount of heats won on the CT. Fucking smashed him, mate. You yeah. like 200% more heat wins than yeah, Ricky Basnet. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's pretty short-lived. Uh, it was actually pretty funny. Um, my career ended pretty much on the CT. There was a mid-year cut, which there is now. So we looped that back a decade later, and they brought that mid-year cut back. So it's, um, it's kind of no new news to me. It was kind of normal. and just got to suck it up. And, um, but um, unlike myself... This little fella with a weird hairdo beside me, he actually lifted and got back on tour. So, yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, it was a fun, fun while it lasted. And, yeah, it was a good short-lived career, as you could say. <laughs> it's a bit of a pattern, though. I mean, a lot of these guys with uh, either short-lived or, you know, fairly uh, mediocre world tour careers make exceptional surfing coaches. And, uh, I mean, you're the latest in uh, a long line of this kind of, uh, I don't know, strange pattern. But talk to us about segging into being a, a high-level elite surfing coach and uh, you know, getting success pretty much straight off the bat, taking morgues to the top five, uh, you know, the eyes of the world on you. you know, what did you learn from that experience? Well, I guess the bonus of having such a shit career, you make that many fucking mistakes, <laughs> that you actually learn from the next time around, but you can't, I can, that's such a kook that I can't do it myself, so I have to live through the next generation. That's it, living vicariously through your offspring or your protege. Exactly, yeah, so, um, yeah, no, but it's, yeah, it's like, I literally, I, I was actually a bit bitter after I fell off tour. I, um, I turned away from surfing for quite some time, and um, I actually was an athlete manager for Reef, and then, I just didn't want, I was actually labouring up north in Brizzy with a mate, Austin, and just had to take some time away. And then um, I started a couple little Grom classes back in Burley here, and then slowly developed, started doing stuff with lobbyists on the side, and Toby Mosser and Matty Job is here tonight. And, um, and then it just kind of grew pretty quick. They were like 13, 14, before we knew it. It kind of went to the QS, Challenges, CT, and then, um, yeah, and then I got yeah, the opportunity to do stuff with Morgs, obviously. It was pretty cool, and um, yeah, kind of... Yeah, it's just been fun. It's been a good challenge. Good, love being in the trenches with them. 
man, going up and, uh, you know, you're labouring in North Brizzy, like, you know, what was it like coming back into the fold of your surf community and, and how much did that charge you up? Like, talk to us about the power of your community. Yeah, I mean, that community word, it's a fucking buzzword at the moment. It's actually, but now I'm actually a bit older now, I actually get it. I was speaking to someone today, and especially now that I've got kids, they actually really appreciate, like, I'm looking around in this room here tonight and the importance of it and... Um, yeah, like I just, I don't know, like my grandfather and my nana, they're life members here at Burley Board. I mean, Burley uh, at this, um, what do we call this, like Bowls Club? At the Bowls Club here and it's like, now I can see why they come down and have beers and it's like filtering down and now I want my kids to kind of grow up and be involved in the community. So yeah, it's like, it's amazing and it's like I said, it's changed a lot now and it's, it's, it's grown Burley, as uh, you could say Burley. Um, now it's obviously, it's, Fuck, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, it's busy, but, I mean, looking here tonight, there's the same old faces from 25 years ago. So, it's, yeah, it's special. Lobby, um, what do you appreciate? You're, you're one of the charges here and have experienced from the wisdom of, of bots. What's he got that, uh, you know, you benefit from? What sort of wisdom is it? What sort of gems? Adam Robbo once told me when I was a kid, do the opposite of everything Bottle tells you. <laughs> Spot on, spot and that's on. That's how it's worked out. <laughs> well played. Well played. Well played. Mate, uh, yeah, talk to us about the, the top Fucking five dog. trestles showdown. Like, how surreal was it to be there, bots, with the eyes of the world on you? You know, it's like this the first time we've ever run that format, but. Just talk to us about the lead-up. I understand you and Morgs went, like, to fucking Utah or some mountain somewhere and, uh, I don't know, we're whittling sticks and playing the banjo and doing other shit that uh, we won't speculate upon. But, um, yeah, talk to us about the lead-up and, and just, like, the whole experience. It must have been a trip here. Yeah, obviously the lead-up was pretty good. He had a good – put on a good performance there for a seat, Morgs, wherever you are. Uh, <laughs> Say, do what I say, don't as I do. But, um, yeah, no, we, it was actually pretty intense. It was like, obviously, at a normal world tour event, there's like, now there's 32 surfers. So you could say the attention's divided by all those surfers. But at a world title, world title day, um, there's only comes out of five surfers. So there was that Netflix thing going around. Um, the Drydus Vibe crew were, um, well, refresh my memory, what's the name of them? Make or make or break was it? Yeah, the make or break crew around like had skits that. film TV crew with like mics and cameras, fucking uh, yeah. on shoes and in coat hangers and hidden everywhere. It was yeah, but like yeah, and it was really what they did for the B roll Vaughn. <laughs> it's probably on Red Tube somewhere. Yeah, get out of it, Vaughn. Um, yeah, so we had that film crew, the WSL, and there's obviously other media like people trying to call like more, not me, obviously me, but Morgs in that app. So it's just trying to like navigate that, and then. Um, but yeah, we snuck off to the mountains and um, just to actually switch off because there was a crazy intensity going in that event. We had we were there for like three or four weeks before the event, and I was like, yeah, let's just get away, switch off, and go on the mountains, and then get like fifth place in the world in the end. So, <laughs> so <laughs> but uh, no, I went for a good hike. Maddie McGilbray came up, and uh, Morgs misses. So yeah, I had a sick time. It was a blast, but it just didn't translate into an event to a result. And, and what would you do differently? You know, if you had a charger in the final five again, um, is there anything you'd change at all? Yeah, I just I think, as I said, I think the media played a huge factor, and there was minimal room. So I spoke to Phil McNamara, the guru of all coaches, I'd say, and. Um, 
he talked about he put barriers in place for Mick Fanning and spoke to the media team and that. So if there was anything else to kind of readjust and be just keeping him kind of clear and giving the athletes a bit of space, um, that's probably one regret. I mean, I was inexperienced, but um, fuck it. Still fun though, good experience, and probably tell Morgs to do a bit better too. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, I know you're laughing about it, but I think everyone in this room should actually put their hands together for what Bots and especially Morgs achieved in that year. You know, first year, new format. Mate, you had a shot at the fucking world title. It's it's just remarkable. Bots, he. Uh, Working uh, at the HPC now, part of a, a big Australian push, probably uh, also focused on the Olympics. What sort of, uh, I don't know, knowledge and wisdom has, has this sort of new phase of your coaching delivered? And uh, do you see us bringing home a gold medal? Oh, yeah. yeah no, it's really cool. I think um, it's, yeah, obviously a transition. I had a tight like little unit of athletes and now... Um, it's, you know, a bigger span of athletes and they basically employ me to say, look, get people on tour and win world titles and go to the Olympics and win gold medals. So, um, you know, my web's out with more athletes now and in the pathway. So it's cool. It's just good to have, like, um, I love the tour, but I, I really love, like, they kind of employ me to get people on tour in the trenches and it's something that I struggle with. I think I was on the, the challenger, challenger now, the QS, for seven or eight years myself. So... It's where my passion lies and I just feel like I can have value there. So, um, yeah, and then just, yeah, love keeping the ship sailing in the right direction. So for me, it's sick. And then if I can influence a younger generation and, you know, it's been a bit of a flat spot, you could say, um, in world titles on the male side. So we just, we had a big, um, couple of big meetings a few months ago and with Elf McKingy, Clancy and a few of the crew from Surfing Oz and we're like, are we dominating, you know, are we dominating the sport? And, Probably not. So, fuck, how do we do that? So, we want to be a part of that and start fucking How do we do that? What was the answer? <laughs> I don't you know. Crack some skulls? Is it like a bit of fucking, uh, you know, Denkarab in the forehead before you paddle out for your heat? Like, cattle prods? Yeah, no, just don't go up to the mountains for a world title. No, it's just, again, it just comes back to, I think, depth at a younger age and getting an understanding of, like, you always talk about the word grit, going to get understanding and a bit of discomfort. It's like we're coming to a priv pretty privileged place. So I think, yeah, combination of champ, what are you doing? Hey, champ. Here you go, mate. Yeah, hey, thanks, guys. Um, just bit, the boys can't hear. We want to hear what these fucking old timers want to hear, like bum chin and shit. So it's a bit of quiet up the back so everyone else can hear. Thank you very much. Cunts. The champ is here. Well said. Yeah, there's a coach for you. Connors director. All right. So, Rhino, we might give you a little break for a sec and we'll get you back on introduce your film. We're going to call Pete Harris onto the stage. 78 Stubby's winner. And we're going to talk about the single fin because that's why we're here right now. The heat drawer is available on live heats. Check it out through the Billabong... Instagram, I believe. Bill on Australia, socials. G'day, Pete. Hello, mate. Now, boys, uh, the Burley single fin, where I think we're getting towards like 25 years or something. I mean, clearly, Peter, all the first boards that ever graced this point were single fins. Take us back, mate. Take us back to those glory days. 
the early days of the stubbies. Who was dominating the point? Who were the best single fin surfers that you grew up watching? Well, those early single fins weren't that good when you look back. You know, like the guys in this contest, the most of them that they ride that win are on the channel bottom singlies. So early 70s singlies, they weren't that good. But the boys put it together. Oh, sorry. Is that better? <laughs> so, so in the end, design evolved a bit. By the mid-70s, single fins are really cool. And then the 80s come, twin fins, all that stuff. And then Simon, as everyone knows, thrusters. And the twin, uh, single fins got forgotten about. Yeah. A few people lately have been designing new style single fins. They really work well. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah. Well, let's um, do this quick little timeline, Smithy, from the stubbies into the single fin. Because we've got to talk about it. Like, the first stubbies, it was MP kind of, it was his last hurrah in many ways. But how good was he? I mean, did you see him dominate out here as good as anyone? I did see him, yeah. And and for the condition he was in, he was amazing. Like, he just was that, you know, a level or two above everyone else. He was fucking incredible how, how good he surfed. And it was kind of emotional for me because Michael was going a bit off skitter at that time. And to watch him and to watch him win it, it actually brought me to tears, you know. I was just so stoked for him. And it kind of inspired me because I've always hated contests, you know. And, and after seeing him do that, and he only did it for the money, and I went, you know what, I'm going to have a go at doing that myself, you know. And it's sort of like a big inspiration. But it took a few years until, like, I think Rabbit won 78, MR won 79, I won 80, then MR come and took it back in 81. But it, it took a while to get to that part and I used to hassle uh, the contest organiser like Bill Bowman why don't you invite some locals into this contest, you got all these imports coming in, surfing our waves blow-ins blow <laughs> and you don't want us to drop in so invite some of us into the contest and it took a few years and finally Bill Bowman came up to me one day and this is about a week before the contest and goes, here's an alternate invitation, not an invitation an alternate place in the trials Right, and I thought, oh, that's good enough. That's a good start. First heat in the trials, I lose and go to the losers round. So I'm feeling really confident after that, going, unreal, I'm fucking going to blow it. And then I won every heat from on, from that time on. And this started on Saturday, went the whole week until the Sunday the next week, surfing heats every day, one board in my quiver, and I had to get through the trials. I had to win the trials to get into the main event. So it was a bit of an effort. Somehow I did it. At the time, I thank God, but I'm not so sure if he had a hand. I think it was just me. Amazing story, man. Give it up. Yeah. Give it up for Pete Harris. That's unbelievable. Mate, I'm really interested to know, like, talk us through that event and uh, the momentum building around you. You know, it's kind of like the fucking Newcastle Knights winning the GF. It's like one of them kind of... Just like coming from nowhere and winning an event like that, Burley must have just been building and building around you. It, it was. The crowd were kind of building and building around me. I was kind of, I don't know what you call it, I wasn't really there in a way, you know. And I was just I was just kind of floating along doing heat by heat. Still not. And I probably was a little bit friendly to the competitors. I kept talking to them and, you know, you want this wave and all that kind of... I might have psyched them out unintentionally. But... Yeah, we just, just worked through it that way, heat after heat. The momentum built mainly from the crew on the beach. Like on the shed at Burley, the local boys are just going nuts. 
it got to the stage where I was getting afraid if I didn't win, they're going to beat the shit out of me. So, oh, that'll get you up for it. Yeah, well. So, who were some of the the big heats in your memory? I, I know you, you kind of can't remember, but you okay. must have had some of your, your heroes in, uh, in some of those heats. Yeah, the biggest heats were um, Joe Engel. No, that was really hard. Buzzy Kerbox and Shane Haran. Shane Shane was the most competitive, but. Unfortunately for Shane, on that day, the, the banks had moved a bit north of the point and uh, a couple of days before it was further south. So Shane's paddled deep and kept getting closed out and then I'd pick up the cream after him. And the funny thing in the middle of our heat, like Shane's, you know how confident he is. So he's trying to psych me out and I've got this wave, got this absolute screamer barrel and I've paddled back out and I heard him say barrel the contest and before that Shane held it. So I paddled back out and go, hey Shane. He goes, what? I said, you know how you got the best barrel? I think I just took it off you. And, and that was it for him. It kind of just shattered him. He was, he was kind of off skitter after that. So. Wow. Put him on a uh, bad trip, Vaughan. Not the first time either. <laughs> Mate, uh, you make your way to the final and uh, you got Dane Kulowa, right? So t- Dane's uh, energy around this time is, is monster. He's just uh, he's a big presence. He's a pretty frightening presence to a lot of people. Uh, yeah, describe that energy when you're paddling out, uh, just not, not just from him, but, you know, on the beach as well. Yeah, well, the energy on the beach was crazy. Like, it was, there were guys up on the old shed on the roof with garbage bins banging them like, you know, it was insane. It really was. I was glad I was out in the water. But um, Dane, apparently I get blamed a bit for ruining Dane's chance of a world title that year, but he wasn't perplexed by it, like... In the final, Dane and I really had a good time. Like, he was just wave for wave. We just both said to each other, let's just surf and go wave for wave. And he started doing 360s and shit. And I'm like, I can't do 360s. So I just started looking for barrels. And luckily enough, I got one. But Dane was one of the most beautiful people I've ever surfed against or with. Like, a really nice guy. And he was so stoked for me to win it, even though, allegedly, I stole his world title that year. I was never, I never got the world title, but I was world champion for one month. <laughs> Number one in the world. You gotta love that. Where's Gerlach? Number one in the world. Where is he? <laughs> what a story, man. That's bit. one of the great surf yarns, eh? Hey? The local battler coming from nowhere and just trouncing the world. Fuck, and that's did amazing. The- did the bowling club give you 15 cents off your beers or like, how did your life change after that? No, the, the one thing the Burley club did is they didn't tell me, but they went and organised a couple of kegs and some food and they had a big party and then when the party had finished, they rang me up and told me to come up and foot the bill. So that was a good experience. Uh, not invited to your own party, but you no. can pay for it. And they spend a shitload. Mate, um, so after that, you know, the Stubbies goes on for a few years. It moves around a little bit. Burley kind of, like, has its moments in pro surfing again. Uh, there was a few quickie pros came back here and whatnot. Tell us about the origin of the single fin, how it uh, kicked off. Was that something okay. that, that you were a part of? Yeah, yeah. The single fin came about originally in 1994, where what was happening is the young crew didn't know the older crew. So one day we were hanging there for a few of the older crew and we kind of said, why don't we have a mock contest where we all serve single fins and the young guys can meet the older guys. And 
the first time we had it in 94 was basically an excuse to get rid of everyone out of the surf and all of us just went for a surf. There's no judges. There's, I think Trevor Hora was on the beach. He kind of assessed the whole situation, but it was basically a hoax to go everyone out of the water and, and then we just went surfing. Well played. And, but what it did, it was successful. It brought together the generations of locals because a lot of the older guys weren't surfing here anymore because they didn't know the young guys, they couldn't get waves. And after that first event, they started coming back. And then unfortunately, the guy that won it that year, unofficially, uh, Trevor just drew the names out of a hat. That's how that we got the winners. And the guy that won it passed away, Peter Roberts. So it didn't happen for a couple of years, and then we turned it into a memorial type of thing. But one thing I'd like to say is the festival's been going for a while now, and it still has that loose spirit about it. Like there's no other contest I've ever been to where on the beach everyone's an equal. Everyone's walking around, there's no elitism, there's no bullshit going on. It's got this really laid back. Out in the water there might be a bit of competition going on, but on the land it's got this really good vibe and I'm really happy that it's evolved into that because that was the intention in the first place of just bringing the tribe together and having a good time. Oh, it, just, it stokes me. Yeah, well said. Beautiful, mate. I don't think there's a better start to the competitive year than this because, you know, surfing, especially competitive surfing, Smithy, we talk about a lot on the show, but it's the energy around competitive surfing that you love, you know, it's like all the mates, it's the travel, it's like getting to share all these great times and enjoy great waves. Boys, you've been surfing in it for a long time as well, like uh, the list of winners is crazy, like you look, go back through it and there's world champions, there's local legends, there's... Everyone who's, uh, you know, had a fair income crack has lifted that trophy. What did it mean to you guys to get to finally surf in this single fin event? Well, I've never won it, but I've made the final a couple of times. And it's, it's just one of those events where there's just such a crazy admixture of different surfers and different people in the community. And, um, yeah, it's, just so, it's so cool to be a part of. It's just the most fun weekend, like Peter said. It's just there's such a good sentiment on the point every time that you surf in it. It's, no one's trying to win. No one's trying to, like, psych you out. Everyone's just there to have some fun and, and just surf, and that's ultimately what it's all about. And does it take you back, Pete? Like, the, the headland is just covered in people. There's bands playing. There's people burnt units all over the place on the cosmic apricots and smoking the big spliffos, and the whole joint just smells like a huge sort of festival from the 70s. Yeah, it does take me back, except we don't have any Margaret Deprave hanging around, which maybe we should find one to come to the single fin. <laughs> but yeah, it does. I love, I love the crowd. I love the whole thing on, on the headland. And um, yeah, it's just a great gig, you know, and like you said, a good way to start the year. So we've got the heat draw here. I wouldn't mind you guys just having a look at this and picking out a few heats that catch your eye or, or uh, pique your interest. Lobby, uh, will you... Who have you got, mate? This is our first uh, look at the heat draw so far. Boss, you've made the final here a few times, mate. Have you lifted the boards? Yeah, I, I got lucky. I, uh, I got lucky one year and got to lift the trophy, but yeah, um, I think Pete hit the nail on the head there. Like... Yeah, your first heat, you peanut. <laughs> Fucking number one. Um, don't lose. Um, so, um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, I think I 
you know, you just get in the beach, you bloody, you're probably on the piss by 12 o'clock and then you just have a good time. It's not, if you win, it's a kind of bonus. It's like Nelly's survival, the fittest, to be honest. It's not, <laughs> it's not about how good you surf. So, um, yeah, but it, actually it is. When actually, Lobby said just a minute ago that, um, that, you know, it's not that competitive, but you get in that water and there's people that fiery. And I found myself at times getting fire when I fucking, if pe- it's like, you follow the energy of the heat, and if people are pricks to you, you'll be pricks to them, and then other heats, everyone's just kind of mellow, and then no one will fight for the inside, so it's kind of heat by heat. Who's yeah. the biggest prick, mate? Go and throw them under the bus. They're probably surfing tomorrow. I'd have to say, Matty Job's up there. <laughs> Matty Job, I love him. Competitive, and it's like, he's had Shane around in his corner, and he's it's followed in. Parko's unassuming. He's like, acts like he doesn't care, but he fucking cares a lot. He's like... I'm too cool. I don't care, but he's won 50 times on that little hot stuff board. That thing, I think he's like got it from the new era. I don't even test that thing. But um, nah, it's good. It's just fun. Yeah, it's good. Controversial. Event. Bit of carbon testing on uh, Parko's board, you reckon? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, put the, uh, put the measuring stick in that thing. Uh, what about seeing the, uh, the, the big trophy go south of the creek? How does that make you feel? Um, Oh, to be honest, it's kind of it's just cool. There's such a mix of surfers in the comp. Like, it, <laughs> oh come on, mate! No, we want it. We want it here. I think we've won it a fair few times for you know, a few random guys. That, like just local legends have won it. Not me, but <laughs> like Maddie, Tim Highland, like you, you know, guys that just like are up against the world's best and they're doing well at the home break. It's pretty cool to see. But yeah, it's it's you don't want it to just be like club guys it's cool to have everyone in the comp and make it like a, a big event for everyone to come and compete in oh, said of all the diplomacy of the ducks of Narang High <laughs> what a shit, right, hey, well, uh, what a shit answer <laughs> while we've got the uh, the Burley Legend panel up here we're going to throw it open to the crowd because I know that there's going to be a few people who want to put you guys under the pump uh, let's let's get it we got some uh, billabong towels to throw out to the best questions so, Smithy, instead of cone pieces, we're throwing out bong towels. Who's got a question for the panel? I oh, know you do. Hello, Louie. All right. Hanata. Hanata, everybody. Give him a round of applause. He's going to take this thing out tomorrow. Hello, mother. Hello, father. Here is Hanata. All right. So this is uh, another one of uh, Bots's charges. Have you done any mountain climbing, mate? Please say you haven't. Nah, no way. Fuck that. (laughs) What's your question, brother? So, Bottle, I think everyone wants to know, how did you get your nickname? Oh, you already told that story. <laughs> you got those ears on, mate, or what? Take your money off Anata tomorrow. I think he's mad. Go to sleep, mate. Go to sleep. <laughs> All right, we got one over here. What's your name, bro? Matt Rabbit. There's, um, there's a question for Lob. I just want to know your favourite cereal. Sultana brand. Take it to Al. What a great question. The things you learn. What do you got, Hannah? Guess how many bottle caps are on my lager phone. 
Who wants to have a crack at how many bottle caps are on this lager phone? Billabong towel if you get the right answer. He's right. 700. And uh, interesting fact, Hannah got blocked by Kelly Slater on Instagram, in case you didn't know. What do we got? Who's the craziest on tour? Who's the craziest on tour? Pete, who was the craziest person when you were competing back in the day? Um, unofficially, Peter Crawford. He wasn't really on the tour. but <laughs> I love that. He was there. Um, the craziest? Oh, it's hard to say. There's so many of them. Uh, I'll go with Peter Crawford. That's a good answer. Who was your era? Who was the wild man of your time, Bots? Uh, it was actually probably Chris Davidson. Yeah, Davo. Yeah, Davo, legend. And Lobby, uh, in your career, I know you don't want to throw in anyone under the bus, mate, but just do it. Morgs. Yeah, we knew it. That's a good one. We've got a question down here now. All right. Come on, Pete, you old cunt. Who's the best person that you dropped in on or who's the shittest person you dropped in on? Probably the same person. No, I, I don't drop in, so I can't really answer that question. I, I really like... I really enjoy giving waves to other people, so... Kind of hard for me to find someone, so sorry. <laughs> All right, one over here. Noza. I love this is for you, mate. Is Bottle your dad and is Emma your grandpa? <laughs> Bottle's my dad and my dad's Bottle's dad. <laughs> this is for everyone. Best, best rock off jump that we've seen. Oh, best rock-offs stack? Best rock-off stack you've ever seen off the point, boys? That's a good question. So maybe any towels left over here? There, there's been so many, it's hard to name one favourite one, but my son, when we were living up on the headland, he used to, before school, he used to go, Dad, can we go watch the Rapid Riders? So we go down and just watch people getting smashed, and they'd get smashed on the rocks and then roll back down with the water, and, and my son at high school really enjoyed that, so. Yeah, it's a wholesome father and son activity, isn't it, Vaughan? Just uh, sitting there on the rocks and watching uh, brain injuries unfold in front of you. And, and I'll never let him rescue anyone. They're on their own. Oh, absolutely, that's part of it. I mean, if you rescue them, that's, yeah, the joke's fucking dead at that point. Um, Lob, I was just wondering how the lungs are feeling after Falls Festival. That's all I, was, all I have to say. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Smithy. Smithy. Up the back. Yeah. Here, oh, yeah, I got you. Yeah, question to Peter Harris. Peter, who's the best barrel rider at Burley? That's a beauty. Have we got a towel up here? We had a towels? i got to think about that. You mean currently now or ever? Ever. Um, I think the best barrel rider at Burley ever was Michael Murphy. Mick Murphy. He was, he was incredible in the barrel and so was his brother Andy. 
Got one over here, mate. Probably never heard of him. What about you two? You got something chip in there? Best barrel rider you've ever seen at Burley? You two on the end there. Trent, the curly headed guys. Wait, get it, get it, get it, girl. Um, what up, what up? Things are deteriorating oh, up here on stage four. I think we've got to wrap this pretty quick, mate. All right, things are getting quite good up here. You got Adam from Australia. Rowdy. Cha. <laughs> Getting rowdy. Oh, How many bottle caps are on that shake? stick? Anyone want to shake? Say man. Two fifty. What up, bro? This isn't red faces, dude. This is good. Let's keep it going. I got a question for I got a question for Pete. Let the man speak. Let the, the local blonde-haired degenerate have his 15 seconds of fame. Go on, mate. I got a question for Pete. I Who's had the biggest pit out at Sharkies you've seen? Who's had the biggest pit out of Sharkies you've seen? The Me. biggest pit Who out at Sharkies. Has Actually, as a bodybuilder, a guy called Peter Worth. Um, in the early days, a lot of guys wouldn't go out sharkies, and he used to go deeper than all the stand-up guys. And yeah, Peter Worth, the boogie board rider. Righto. We're going to get Ryan Callan and Jack Taylor up just to introduce the film. Round of applause for these guys. Peter Harris, Liam O'Brien, Jay Bottle Thompson, best of luck for the year. And Hannah, sorry about that. I don't know why Kelly blocked you. No idea. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. Righto. Brian, where's Jack? Boys, we're just about to uh, launch this new film project. Ryan Callanan and Jackie Taylor. Boys, congrats. Jack, you've been working with Ryan for a long time. Is it a re rewarding experience? All the time. Every day. Clips, clips every time. It makes your job easy, doesn't it, when you've got uh, such a good talent. Tell us a little bit about your pathway with this film, mate. Oh, man, just showing up on time, having a good time, not being hung at all, never hung. You've been pretty hung uh, a lot, actually. Yeah. You hung a bit. No, never hung. Just, uh, yeah, being in the right place at the right time, you know. Well, mate, congratulations. Anything you want to tell us, boys, or anyone you want to thank before this thing fires up? Uh, just, I guess, uh, thanks for having us. Um, I know how much these events mean to people and clubs and communities. The Single Fin seems like an unbelievable event. And so to for us to, to honour to be able to show a film here for you know, for me and Jack, and, and Jack's put a lot of hard work in, so I'm, I'm very grateful for everything he's done, everything Billabong's done, and hope everyone has a good weekend. All right, well, before we show this thing, who wants to get in a big group shot with our Cal and our, all the heroes? Come on down the front if you want to squeeze in. You guys can squeeze over this way. Might just get you guys here. Yeah, well, we'll just get everyone right here. Stand up, all you lot, if you want to get in this shot. Just put your arms in the air. And then we're going to show this film. Squeeze in. Where's the Arkal? There's Lobby. Down the front, brother. All righty. 
Can you get in? Here we go. Count of three. Oh, no, socks. Three, two, one. Up the fucking Swillies! Kind of got there. Enjoy Beneath the Pear Tree, the world premiere. Bon voyage, motherfuckers. Everyone get lit tonight. Whoop, whoop, whoop. This episode of Ain't That Swell Live is brought to you by Billabong Gallery's latest artist collab with proud Bunjalung and Gumbangi man Otis Carey. The high-flying core lord has produced a collection inspired by the story and song lines of his local area. Gumgali Uradala, or Black Goanna, is a direct tribute to the ocean playground he grew up on. Blasting full rotors, wild lazars, and scoring the cosmic vision. Gumgali Uradala is available at billabong.com or get down and support your local surf store and cop some Otis Carey magic today. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 You gotta be kidding me. 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 Oh, you gotta be kidding me. 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 You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me? 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 You've got to be fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me?